of the same salvation. Three different dimensions of the gospel, if you will. Three different dimensions of new creation. And so my goal today is that we would see together those three dimensions and um, be able to better respond to the gospel in three dimensions. That's my goal for today. Typically, I, I suggest that we only see in one dimension. And that dimension is very important, but there's two others that often get neglected. So, um, so what do I mean by gospel? Um, in the New Testament, we see lots of different summaries of the gospel. If you talk to Christians at different churches, they might describe the gospel a little differently. Really, what they all share in common is this. I think it can be boiled down to this. The king has come, right? The promised Messiah, the promised king has come and has brought God's salvation to humanity. That's the gospel in a nutshell. The king has come and has brought salvation, God's salvation to humanity. In Ephesians, Paul uses a shorthand for that twofold reality. He, he talks about being in Christ. Um, you'll see that throughout. If you're familiar with Ephesians, um, you see that phrase over and over again, in Christ, or Christ created in himself, or in him, you know, X, Y, and Z. And we're going to see that a lot today. What does he mean by that? In Christ literally means those who are in his kingdom, those who are under the king's reign. The king has come, those who are in his kingdom. But as you'll also see when he talks about being in Christ, that terminology is used to describe the work of Christ to save us, the other part of the gospel, right? He's brought salvation to humanity. So we're new creations in Christ. Um, and I know everybody's familiar with that. Today, we're going to take a little closer look at the three dimensions of that new creation. Okay, how's that for an intro slide? You're probably wondering, are we going to get out of here uh, anytime before noon? I, I mean, it, well, it's not morning. Anytime before 2.30, how about? We'll get, we'll get it pl plenty done. Um, a few preliminary points, though. Whenever we talk about the works of God, these are acts of creation. And I think this is a, a key to understanding when Paul talks about new creation, how it's tied to uh, that new creation. These are works of God, the work of Christ in and among us to save us. So if we focus on... Um, on what it says about the work of Christ that he's done to save us, and we see that this work is ongoing, that God's creation activity is ongoing in the world today in and through Christ, then I think we'll understand these three dimensions. A um, couple more points about the works of God. One, I already said they're acts of creation, but two, they always bring life. If you think about Genesis 1, it starts out and the earth was formless and void. Literally, total chaos, there's no life, life is not possible. And when you get to the end of Genesis 1, God has created conditions that allow life to flourish. Genesis 2, we see the same thing. If you think about the book of Exodus, there's another example of God's activity, God's work as a creative work. He takes a people that are in bondage, in slavery, have, have no life, and He brings them out of bondage into new life, literally creates a new nation, as he promised he would do. And then he talks about building the temple, how they're supposed to build their ta the tabernacle. That's most of Exodus, if you haven't read that. 
But this is a work of creation. And of course, we see it in Revelation 21 and 22. We see it all throughout Scripture. What God is doing to bring salvation to humanity is described in language of creation. So this, and this creation is ongoing. Okay, next slide. Um, I want us to focus on grace and peace because Paul focuses on that. And I have up here on the slide, you can see it, grace and peace, peace and grace. Let me show you what I mean by that. And, and these are two ways that Paul describes new creation. So, in Ephesians 1, in the second verse, he says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And then, next slide. At the very end of Ephesians, in chapter, 20, in, uh, chapter 6, verses 23 and 24, he says, Peace and grace. So you have grace, peace, peace, grace. It's a literary technique that's designed to tell the reader and the hearer, because this was a preached sermon, that everything that he talked about from beginning to end has something to do with grace and peace and how they're related. So grace and peace. And by the way, you're going to see in the first 10 verses of chapter 2, it's all about grace. And the next eight verses, it's all about peace. No surprise but I'm highlighting it for you now. Okay, next slide. Um, the third point is, and temple. So it's about grace and peace, but it's also about temple. Now, when you think of temple, different things come to mind. You have to understand in the ancient world, the idea of temple is, it's the place on earth where we go to experience God's presence. So there might be an altar, or there could be a statue. I mean, this is throughout all the religions. The idea is that there's a place that we can go where God will be present so that we can experience God's presence, God's life, maybe get something from Him. And this is part of what's in focus for Paul as well. And what we'll see is that grace and peace are two facets of this new creation. Temple is another way of talking about it. So if we look at the next slide here, this is again in Ephesians chapter 1, starting in verse 3, and then again, uh, and, and then we pick up again in 9 and 10. So here's what he says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ, there's that phrase, in Christ, you're going to see it a bunch, he's blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Pause right there. What Paul is saying is that all of the life of heaven, all of the blessings that God experiences in his perfect union in and among himself in heaven, the perfect harmony, everything that's there, every spiritual blessing of heaven has been opened up to us in Christ. That's temple language. That's the idea that God in his presence in his life will come down to, to, to us and that we can experience that. And so, the verses I left out, 4 through 8, are some of the blessings that Paul talks about, the heavenly blessings. But picking up in verse 9, here's the last blessing that he, he says, and I want to focus on this one. He says, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time. And what's that plan? To unite all things in him, in Christ, things in heaven and things on earth. So, what is all of salvation history about? What is all of creation about? The work of God from Genesis 1 
to Revelation 22. It's all about this. This is the mystery that Paul says he now understands in Christ. That all of it is geared towards one thing. Uniting all the things in heaven and earth in Christ. That's temple language. The idea that heaven and earth will be united so that we experience all the blessings of God's presence in his life in fullness into eternity. That's the hope that we have. Um, and that's what Paul is talking about in Ephesians. It's grace, it's peace, it's temple all wrapped up. Those are the three dimensions, and we see them all in, in Ephesians 2. Okay, so next slide then. The last point is um, we, to bless God. And why do I want to say that? If you look back at Ephesians 1, verse 3, we already read this, but I want to highlight it here. He says, blessed, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. This is the whole structure of Ephesians. He starts out with how God has blessed us, and then he says, go and bless him. Well, we don't know how to bless God unless we know how he's blessed us. Okay? So... That's the fourth point, that there is a proper response to all of this that Paul lays out for us in Ephesians. And we'll see if we understand how God has blessed us in this new creation in Christ, we'll understand how we are to respond in order to bless him. Okay? I know that's a long preface. Um, I'm going to skip the, the next verse. Um, if you'll go two slides... New creation in three dimensions. Here we go. The first dimension um, is grace. I call it the vertical dimension, and it's us being united to God. Um, I want you, as we read through this passage, verses 1 through 10, I want you to see how many times the word grace is used, and then try to understand the concept of grace that he's talking about, and then we'll, we'll dig in a little bit. So, um, chapter 2, verse 1. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we, we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of, la of wrath like the rest of mankind. I like to refer to this as, it's like we're walking zombies. We're walking around, but we're really dead. And in verse 4, but God, God acted on his own. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of work so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, his creation, new creation. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, we could spend three sessions just talking about these 10 verses, and unfortunately, 
We don't have the, the time to do that today. We're, gonna, we're trying to look at three dimensions, so we're going to do kind of a top-down view. I want to focus on the grace aspect of this, this first dimension, this vertical dimension. We were dead, but by a work of creation, God made us alive, just like Genesis 1, just like Exodus. That's the pattern of God's work. It's creative. It brings life where death once was. And He does it by His grace. We don't deserve any of it. Um, but if you look, look at, um, at verse 6, excuse me, verse 5, um, you see that the way that He saves us is by making us alive together with Christ, raising us up with Him, and seating us with Him in the heavenly places. We have suggestions there of temple theme again, where we're participating in the life of heaven. And I want you to see there's also this social aspect to it. It's not just that I'm raised up to new life with Christ, and you're raised up, and everyone else is individually has this connection to God. That's true. We're all given life individually. But that's not what Paul is really saying. That's not how we're saved. Um, I want you to flip over got to get a little Greek in here, right? So, a couple more slides. Don't worry, you don't have to read the Greek, and I'm not going to read it to you either. All I want you to see is the yellow highlight. Can you see the yellow there? It's the same three Greek letters, transliterated as S-U-N, soon. It means with. Now, there's nothing special about a preposition, certainly not the preposition with, but what I want you to see here is that what Paul is doing is He's creating entirely new words. These words didn't exist anywhere before. And what he did, all three of those words, soon is on the front, they're verbs. So why is Paul doing this? Well, when you have something that's new, new creation, and you don't have a word for it, you have to invent words for it, or at least it's helpful to invent words for it to show what's important about it. So, for example, recent technology, or maybe not so recent, um, I'm looking at all, all the people that don't have gray hair out there. Um, email was a new thing for me. Nobody did email before. What, what's an email? You know, it, does you have a hyphen in it or not, right? It's a new thing. Google, if you Google something, that's new. Spam. There used to be something called surfing the web. That one didn't stick, but that was a new creation when you're, you know, you're on the World Wide Web. Ooh, okay. Um, there's some brand names out there that illustrate this too. Aspirin, Hoover, when vacuums were created. Band-Aid, Kleenex, Frisbee, Granola, Zipper. These are all words that we just think of as normal things. But somebody had to create, when they created something new, a new word came. That's what Paul's doing here. These words, by putting soon on the front, with, it's, it's the first word is, together we are uh, brought to life. To, together we are made alive with Christ. And then it's, together we're raised up, and together we're seated in the heavenly places in Christ. Paul's trying to say, and this is important, it's not that I'm individually brought to life, right? Kind of like I was or in, individually raised up or individually seated. It's that together you and I were grouped together in Christ and these three things happen. It's a corporate thing. It's done together. 
And that's how we individually get new life. It's in this, this entity that he says he calls in Christ, this new creation. So in these first 10 verses, when he's talking about grace and he's talking about each of us being brought from death to life, the way that it happens is we're incorporated together with Christ. We're together saved in Christ. It's like it's a new word that we don't have in English. We're together saved. Um, so, but it's important to understand this first dimension is about grace and us being brought to life. So, if you go to the next section there, the vertical dimension, that's us being united with God by grace. And it, it happens corporately. The second is a horizontal dimension. Paul refers to it as peace. And it's we're united with each other. So, if you look, starting in verse 11, the next section, he says... Therefore, and by the way, Paul doesn't stick therefores in there for just any reason. That's another clue that he's talking about the very same new creation in Christ. Therefore, because of the grace and how we're together saved with Christ, there's another dimension. Here it is. Therefore, remember at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Sounds like death. Verse 13, but God acted, a work of creation to bring us to life. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility, that he might create in himself, create in himself new creation, one new man or one new humanity in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached Peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So again, we could spend two or three sessions unpacking this. There's just a lot going on. We're focused on the second dimension of the new creation. It's the horizontal. It's the peace that comes about because of the work of Christ. So created in himself one new man out of the two. Um, I think everybody knows the Jews were called to be separate, and they were separate, and they kept themselves separate. It was a source of contention in every generation, including Christ's own time. But there was always this idea that all of the nations would gather around the throne of the Messiah. And that's what Paul's talking about here, is that has been realized, and in fact, Part of the work of Christ, the second dimension is to break down the hostility, break down the social barriers, the racial and ethnic barriers, the socioeconomic barriers. Um, it's, it's to uh, break down the, political, the heated political barriers. 
All of these things happen in Christ. That's part of new creation is there is no more strife. Instead, there's shalom. Let's dig down on this a little bit. I want to look at some, some quotes on the nature of shalom or peace. Shalom being the Hebrew word that's used for peace. It's much more than just um, lack of, of fighting. Here, we'll, we'll see it here in the quotes. The Hebrew word shalom is an extremely rich concept. It means full human flourishing in every aspect. Human flourishing, think of life. God, new creation, life. No surprise, peace is part of that new creation. It's going to be about life. But it's life in every aspect of uh, full human flourishing in every aspect. William Barclay, in Hebrew, peace or shalom never means only the absence of trouble. In Hebrew, peace always means everything which makes for a man's highest good, the presence of all good things, and the enjoyment of all good. God wants us to enjoy the creation, be prosperous, uh, and uh, well, here, we'll keep going. Um, it, the, the next quote is a two-pager. Shalom is an active presence of what is right, true, nourishing, joyful, and the like. Injustice and sin tear the fabric of shalom, and shalom is the all-encompassing desire of God for peace and goodness throughout His creation. God's intended peace isn't a neutral absence of conflict. Rather, it expresses completeness, wholeness, harmony, fulfillment, and unimpaired relationships with others. Ken Witzma is a a pastor. uh, He's a lead pastor at a church in Oregon. And then the the last one uh, is um, uh, from from the Anglican tradition. Um, It is shalom, or human flourishing, that God intended at creation, that God created humanity for, that God intends humanity to help create, that Christ came to restore, that he calls all Christians conscientiously to be agents of. People who have studied this understand that shalom is a part of that new creation. It's part of the life that God brings to us in Christ. Now, if we're created for good works, those good works are going to mirror that. You can see where I'm going with this. We're supposed to do good works in the first dimension to bring life to individuals, and each of us grow. We're also supposed to bring, uh, do works in the second dimension. We're supposed to be involved in the things of this world to bring about shalom. That's part of the gospel because it will happen because of the work of Christ, we have the privilege of partaking in it. I'm going to say more about that a little bit later. But when you focus on this concept of peace, this second dimension, how is it tied to our main, uh, the the verses, chapter 1, verses 9 and 10? Remember there, it's the plan for the fullness of time is to unite all things in Christ, things in heaven and things on earth. So how is this related to it? And that's where I get this description is the horizontal dimension. It's unity across, um, across the aisle, uh, fr- across different churches, different ethnic groups, um, socially, all, in all of these ways, unity with one another. That's part of our salvation. All right, on to the third dimensions. 
third dimension, excuse me. The third dimension is the cosmic dimension. This is the temple, and this is the, uni the unity of heaven and earth. We've already kind of seen that in chapter 1. Here we see at the end of chapter 2, we see Paul describe this new creation in this third dimension. So, so far we've seen grace. We're united to God and experience His life. It's the life of heaven. And peace, we're united to each other and experience all good things on the earth. That's part of this new creation. This third dimension, we'll see the first and second dimensions put together. They come together in the third dimension. Okay, and that's the work of building the new temple. So, in verse 19, so then, that's another therefore word, right? Paul is saying, grace leads to peace. Well, we talked about those two. Now we're going to talk about the third dimension of this new creation. So then, you're no longer strangers and aliens, but you're citizens with the saints and also members of the household of God, built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are built together spiritually into a dwelling place for God. It's kind of wacky, right, to think about this idea, Christ came to, to save me, to purify me. Oh, wait, it has horizontal dimensions? We're supposed to uh, experience shalom and see that? Yeah. I don't get this thing of temple, though. I mean, it's, it just, it's so foreign to the way that we think today. But again, not to the ancients and not to, to understanding the work of Christ. What God is ultimately wanting to do is to unite all things in heaven and earth in Christ and have God dwell in and among us forever. And so here's the picture. In this third dimension, you have individuals who are purified and then socially organized according to God's blueprint so they fit together just right. And then what happens? The fullness of God dwells in us like the temple. That's the plan. That's new creation. That's what God is doing from Genesis to Revelation. That's seeing the gospel in 3D. We're to become living stones. We're, made, we're perfected and made pure. That's grace. And we're joined together according to God's blueprint. Perfect social ordering. That's the peace. In order to construct the, the eternal dwelling place of God. Heaven and earth are fully created and joined together so God dwells among us in all his glory. Again, there's a lot more we could talk about in, these, um, in this section of, of Ephesians 2. And you might be thinking, come on, Toby, does, does it really say that about the living stones? Um, and I mean, how is it all connected? I want you to see, we have time to look at 1 Peter um, go over, yeah, there's First Peter. We'll come back to that mess of Greek that you, you might have seen flash up there a second ago. Um, in First Peter chapter 2, Peter says, Come to him, a living stone, though rejected by mortals, yet chosen and precious in God's sight. And like living stones, let yourselves be built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God, through Jesus Christ. 
What's the picture here? Peter says, Jesus is a living stone. Come to him. And like living stones yourselves, let yourselves be built into the temple. Well, that's what Paul is saying in Ephesians 2. Experience God's life and be made holy, first dimension. Experience social reconciliation and healing and shalom. That's the second dimension. And what happens when they come together? We're like living stones that are built into the temple. The the vision that I have of all this is, if you think of us as stones, we've got jagged edges and, you know, we're not quite there. We're not perfected. But what God, what Jesus the carpenter is doing, he's... He probably didn't work with stone, but just go with it. Maybe he did. I don't know. But he's, he's polishing the stones, and he's working off the jagged edges, and he's making them perfect so that he can set them on, on the foundation or at some point on the wall. And then the setting of them together, that's the perfect social ordering. So you have these perfected stones that are put in the perfect order. If you know Exodus um, and the language about God, um, God's temple, it's very particular. It's very specific. That's the blueprint for putting us together. And then uh, God dwells among us forever. Heaven and earth are united. So Ephesians is the blueprint for the church. It's how we understand the new creation in the three dimensions. And in fact, how we're supposed to respond to that. That's what Ephesians is about. Um, Now, I want to go back to this mess of Greek. Um, There it is. There it is. You thought that I was hurting your head with Greek before. Don't worry. All I want you to see is, if you see the yellow, we've got three more soon words here, just like in the the prior section. You also see in the the red this word O-I-K, oik. It's the root word for house or household or temple. And if you know your Old Testament, in 2 Samuel, David talks about building. He says, I'm living in this palace. I'm going to build a temple for God. And God says, I don't need you to build a temple for me. I can do that myself. little hint. That's what Paul's talking about, building the temple of Christ. But I don't, I don't need you to build a temple. And there's all this wordplay about house and household or dynasty, that's you know, a dynasty. I'm going to make you into a dynasty, David, and I'm going to build my house, my temple. That's what Paul's doing here. And the, the hearers would have heard this. This is like a really good sermon, um, not an art that I've perfected yet, but it's a, a really good sermon where you have alliteration um, and it's sing-songy. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. was really good at this. He had some really memorable speeches. Paul was really good at it too. And so they would hear soon, soon, soon. These brand new words all started with soon, and they would understand some kind of new creation, something going on here. And then later on, he does it again. But this time it's oik, soon, oik, 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 soon. And then that long phrase is the holy of holies, or the temple. And then you've got a soon oik word and another oik. Okay, we don't have to unpack that. What I want you to see is that Paul is deliberately squishing all of this together to try and describe the new creation. The new creation in three dimensions. All right. So, we've got the vertical dimension, that's grace, united to God. Horizontal dimension, that's peace, united to one another. The cosmic dimension, that's temple. 
heaven and earth are united. Take a quick breath, and we're going to go to application. And don't worry, we've done all the hard work. We've got about three or four minutes left. What's our application? Well, bless God. I told you I was going to come back to it, right? Bless God. But let's bless God in 3D. And what do I mean by that? Paul says the heavens have been opened up and all of the spiritual blessings of heaven have come upon us in Christ. And then he talks about the three dimensions, but he tells us we're supposed to bless God who has blessed us in all these ways. So the first three chapters of Ephesians are call. This is what God has done. And then chapters 4 through 6 are the response. Here's how we're supposed to bless God in response. And so what I want to suggest is it's simple. We bless God by joining in this new creation effort. We have the privilege of joining with our creator in his ongoing process of creating. So what I mean, in some ways, all three dimensions have been accomplished not fully. I'm not fully pure. I don't know anybody who else, else here who is. I don't experience shalom or peace perfectly. And I don't see the church united in, in worship. These are all things that have begun. And what God has done is said, I am doing these things. They are going to happen at the end of time whether you help me or not. Come bless me by helping me. And by the way, you'll be blessed by it. And that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to see in 3D and figure out how it is that we're supposed to bless God in 3D. But it's not just us. It's we're joining in with God who makes it all happen. So we have the privilege of joining in the effort to bring about this vision of new creation in all 3Ds. And we do it by cooperating with God in his ongoing work. And by the way, I haven't even been able to talk about Paul's emphasis on the Holy Spirit. It's all over Ephesians. That's the animating power that makes it happen. That's how we know that we can step out in faith and see um, this new creation in three dimensions being built. Okay? If you look at the next slide here, um, this is chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. This is in, in the response what we see here is there's a diversity of gifts given in the church in order to build up the church, in order to, to work for this end goal. Um, and by the way, Paul switches metaphors freely between temple and the perfected body of Christ. I won't get into all that, but you'll see it here in these, in these verses. He says in verse 11, the gifts that he gave, that Christ gave, were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers... For what purpose? To equip all of us, equip the saints, for the works we were created to do, the works of ministry, which is to build up the body of Christ until all of us come to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the full measure, to, excuse me, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. Um, in verse 15, he says, but speaking truth and love, we must grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by every ligament with which it is equipped, as each part is working properly, that's what I want us to focus on, as each part is working properly, promotes the body's growth and building itself up in love. 
all too often we think one-dimensionally. I'm going to come to that in a second. We think of my spiritual growth and your spiritual growth. But here Paul is talking about the body's spiritual growth or building the temple is the other way he talks about it. It's a different dimension than we are used to thinking of. At least we don't think of it regularly. So, that's, there's a lot more, obviously, in Ephesians that fleshes that out for us. But that's what he's saying. This is how we bless God, is by taking part in this ongoing work of creation. So, the next application point is stuck in 1D. Are you stuck in 1D? In the first dimension? Um, I know I am, often. Before I studied Ephesians, I certainly was. Um, and here's what I mean by that. I didn't really understand these other dimensions. I didn't know anything about shalom. I had heard of peace. Obviously, everybody knows peace. Um, and I'd heard this wacky thing about us being built into a temple as Christians. But I never really understood these other dimensions. When that happens, we, to- we tend to focus solely on grace, solely on individual growth, solely on individuals living eternally. Don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, that's probably the most important dimension. Without that dimension, the other two don't make any sense at all. So I don't want you to hear me say, no, we're not really supposed to do it. That's not what I'm saying at all. Absolutely, we do that. But if we don't understand the second dimension, then when we get together in community groups, it's about me growing and you growing. Okay, that's good as far as it goes. That's one dimension. But what about crossing racial boundaries? What about healing, um, bringing healing to the sick, whether through prayer or, or financial assistance? Or what about people stuck in poverty? Or what about the problems in and around immigration or political acrimony? or injustice in the world. If those things are part of shalom, and if shalom is part of the new creation, we're supposed to be about those things too. So we can get stuck in 1D when all we think about is your growth and my growth. Remember, that's just polishing stones. And not just, that's, it's very important, but it's only part of the new creation. We're supposed to be properly ordered, and we're supposed to worship as one, and the church certainly doesn't do that. We're supposed to pursue shalom. We're supposed to worship as one church. The reason that we're here at Forest, you might wonder, we've been at a number of churches. It's not that we float from church to church. We were at a a church plant that was part of another church for 15, 16-something years. It was an Anglican church. Um, I don't, by the way, I don't even consider myself Baptist. I might not get asked to preach again by saying that, right? But um, I don't consider myself Baptist. I don't have any problem with Baptists. Not at all. I love, I, in fact, uh, Baptists are among my favorite Christians. But none of that really matters. I'm an evangelical who, uh, is, who sees these three dimensions that I'm describing today, and I want to be a part of a church that operates in three dimensions. And the reason we're here is because we see these three dimensions. Now, there's no perfect church, um, but 
we, we see a lot of good happening here, more so than churches I've been involved in. And my hope and wish is that as a community, we might come to understand these dimensions even more um, and be able to operate even better in 3D. So we don't want to be stuck in 1D. All right, last two application points. The world is waiting. This stuff is attractive to the world. Heaven's life is attractive to the world, but so is shalom, flourishing in, in, in all, in every respect. If we function in that dimension, people will be drawn to Christ. Now, of course, Pastor Paul pointed this out. Of course, he's a stumbling block too. It'll be a stumbling block for many, but this if we can operate this way, I don't just mean this community, but the church, then we will be operating the way Christ wants us to, and our mission will be magnified. I think the world is waiting for us to do this. And so that's my challenge to us, uh, that we might seek this out. And then the last application point, uh, remember the cross. What do I mean by that? So the cross is where it all happened. Uh, all the work is done by Christ on the cross, and, of course, he continues his act of creation from heaven. And so the cross is central. For me, I'm part of the Anglican church, before I went to the Anglican church, I never did the cross. Everybody, right? I mean, I thought, well, what are those people doing? Uh, gosh, is that, is that legit? I mean, can, can we do that? And what I came to find is it's just, it's just a spiritual practice. It's just a way of remembering. And people use it for different things. But here's what I do. This is what I think every time I think of the cross, whether I'm crossing myself or I see the cross. I think of the vertical dimension of grace, being united with God. That's this part, right? I think of the horizontal dimension of shalom, of overcoming social boundaries in the way that Christ would have us do it, of bringing shalom to the world. So there's the vertical and the horizontal, and then the way we always did it, you tap yourself three times in the heart. Nothing magic about that. But I think of the joining point where the vertical grace and the horizontal shalom come together. That's that temple building that happens. So I think of the cosmic dimension of the unity of heaven and earth. So I leave that to you as a possible way to remember some of these dimensions. Um, and that's my challenge to us, that we might think and act in the three dimensions of the new creation. Thank you.